go. Your girl is down bad, bruh. The sports lords giveth and the sports lords have taken away in a significant amount of time. As we say hello and welcome to the L. Duncan Show. I'm L. Duncan. He's Gary Streisky. I've I've been down bad in a few ways. You just hit on it, Gary. We uh, are doing a podcast for the first time in many days because Thursday I got the stomach flu and then my beloved Georgia Bulldogs lost to Alabama in the SEC championship. And that's when the real puking began, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Wh- which which of those made you more sick? Yeah. The, the flu or the game? The Let's flu game. <laughs> it, listen, the, the flu is no game. Uh, it was it was tough. Put it this way. I'm not going to get into too many details. Anybody that's had the beast knows what the beast is. Anybody that's had toddlers or been in their vicinity knows what the beast is. I'll just say... Every one of us is one stomach flu away from reaching our goal weight. Yeah. Hey, listen, I know all of your pants fit so much better. I know everybody in the Duncan household is like looking snatched in the mirror. Yeah. Like, whoa, I need to size down. That's what I'm saying. In one (laughs) horrid afternoon in my household, I hit my goal weight. I had lost six pounds in a day. So that will tell you where we were at. (laughs) I ain't gonna lie. I wish you would have invited me over. That would have been kind of nice for me, you know. Oh, <laughs> Especially like after a chicken pox party, except for losing weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that it's thing like when, too expensive? <laughs> like when the rich housewives used to pay for tapeworms because they were like, "But I can eat anything I want and keep losing Damn. weight." Yeah. It's a tapeworm, uh, and that's kind of how it felt watching that game. Was a tapeworm. It felt a little inevitable. It's like Thanos, you know. Georgia hasn't lost in almost two years, right? They're 29 and 0. In fact, the last time that they lost was to Alabama in the SEC championship in that very same Mercedes-Benz Dome. Of course, three weeks later, they'd go on to avenge that loss by winning the national championship. And then they hadn't lost since. And here we are losing again to the hands of Alabama. But I, Gary Streisky, as a Georgia fan, am not the most aggrieved of all of the college sports fans because there is the the pitchforks are out. Uh, There is a whole lot of integrity of the sport being thrown around today because FSU, Florida State, despite being undefeated 13-0 power five champs, beat Louisville yesterday in the, I'll say Saturday in the ACC championship, they are left out. Your final four. Michigan, numero uno, Washington, number two. Hey, Texas, Big 12 champs. You're number three, Big 12 champs. There you go. You only have one loss to your rivals, right? To your rives. Number four, yeah, we see you, Alabama. We know that you lost to that very same Texas team in week two, double digits at home, but you just beat Georgia. So despite that one loss, despite that wart, Alabama, you're number four, you're in. Alabama, you're in. And that has set off an outraged fan base. There is so many words being thrown around right now, infuriated, enraged, shocked, unbelievable, that this committee 
could leave out for the first time in history an undefeated Power Five champ. Gary, how could they? We saw this coming. The storm was brewing. The train was coming down the tracks. Everybody was using the same exact word to describe what they wanted in that being chaos. I also, as a side, love the word because I can't pronounce it. I don't know the correct way to pronounce it, but it was put in the ACC's statement as being unfathomable. Yeah, unfathomable. 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 Like it's I can't even pronounce the word, but when it's used in proper context, I'm like, whoa, the writer, the the person who penned this letter, super upset. Um, And you mentioned a bunch of firsts and haves and have nots that that went around this decision. Um, The CFP committee making the final four this afternoon in Grapevine, Texas, in that Florida State, the first power five undefeated to win a conference title to not be incorporated in the CFP. This is the first time in the penultimate ranking that the number one team, even despite a loss, falls completely out of the playoff picture. Georgia being that team won all the way to uh, number five, and now they get Florida State in the Citrus Bowl. Georgia's already like a two-touchdown favorite, so we're really going to see what that's all about. And then, of course, Alabama being number eight in the CFP, getting that win and going all the way from eight into the CFP, that's never happened before. So we've never seen that substantial of a drop-off from one to out and that substantial of an increase from going eight to in. And, oh, yeah, that's like second, third, and fourth storyline because it's Florida State being left out of this thing. And this one, and why? Because we're bearing the lead here. And why, Gary Streisky? Because they lost their quarterback three weeks ago, okay? Because they don't have their quarterback. Yes. And because of that, they are being left out of the final four. Go ahead, Gary, because I have an argument to make. And I have been arguing this all day as FSU is big mad at me. I, well, I understand. And I'm kind of like water in that. I, I can sway. I can I can be easily manipulated. Robert Griffin III was on SportsCenter this morning, and he was just laying out the facts. And I was like, this dude is really trying to convince me, and it's working, that Florida State, despite Brock Lynn, true freshman quarterback, third stringer getting the start, only throwing for 55 yards, they should be playing in, in this final collection of four. But I think the most important sentence of this entire breakdown, and the, the arguments for it, the arguments against it came by way of Heather Danich, our college football committee reporter. She is boots on the ground. She is uh, she, Her hand is on the pulse of what the committee is thinking. And she has the caveat in the bylaws and in the language that says it's written in there. Um, if, if any substantial change to a team, an injury or such that changes the actual makeup of the team. And that's exactly what Boo Corrigan Reference today, the CFP committee chair, in that this is not the same team that it was the first 11 weeks of the season because their yeah. Heisman quarterback, Jordan Travis, is not playing. And I sort of likened that and I looked at that as effectively the CFP's prenup. They put that language in the CFP when it was constructed 10 years ago. And 10 years later, it has come back to save their reasoning. This was 100% the right decision. And a couple of weeks ago, 
I was aggrieved and b**king. I thought it was unfair that a team could go 29 wins and potentially lose to their biggest rival in the SEC championship and be punished for it and not have a chance to go for three straight titles. I thought that was unfair. But what I thought was more unfair was the idea that FSU, who is a very different team without Jordan Travis, as evident by the last two weeks, was not a team that should be in the final four. And this brings up the same thing that we talk about every single year. And maybe it hasn't been exactly to this manner because this, of course, is a first. But it always brings up the the question and the difference between deservedness and best. And when you watched those championship games, and I watched every single one of them from Friday to Saturday, and I did too, Gary, and anybody that is into college football probably did. You cannot make an argument. I want you to put the 13-0 aside. I want you to put the idea that this has never happened to a Power 5 team before. Put all of those things aside. I want you to tell me, all these people at FSU that are so angry, of all of those games that you watched, tell me which of the teams that won is Florida State better than right now. Tell me which one. Which one right now is Florida State better than? You watched the Pac-12 championship. Do you think they're better than Washington? Not better than Oregon Okay. <laughs> you watched the Big 12 championship. Do you think they're better than Texas right now? Texas would beat them by 20. You watched the points. Big 10 championship. <laughs> Do you think that they're better than Michigan right now? Yeah, no. And you watch the SEC championship right now. Do you think they're better than Alabama right now? Michigan don't even want Alabama right now, and they're the number one team in the CFP. Okay. So let's just take the argument of FSU versus Alabama, okay? FSU's best wins this season, number 13 LSU and number 15 Louisville, who they just beat in the ACC championship with their third-string quarterback because, oh, yeah, the guy that spelled Jordan Travis, Tate Rodemaker, got hurt in their game against Florida last week. They put up 24 points against Florida, who is not a bowl team, okay? And and he had 124 yards. It was his first start. He did exactly what was asked of him, but okay, he's concussed. He sits out the ACC championship. It was putrid. They beat number 15 Louisville in the ACC championship by scoring one touchdown. Those are their two best wins. All right. Alabama beat number one, Georgia, number 11, Ole Miss, number 13, LSU, and number 21, Tennessee. So Alabama's third best win is Florida State's first best win. Now, of course, Alabama has that loss. They have the loss to Texas, which happened in the second week of the season. Yes, at home, double digit. I get that. That's before Nick Saban would even name a starting quarterback. So I understand that you can't just act like conference championships aren't important, which is essentially what they just showed by eliminating FSU from the CFP. But it also is important to look at at some predictive measure of what's going to be the most competitive matchup. Because guys, that is why we took it out of the hands of the robots. If it was only about strength of schedule, strength of record, by the way, Alabama, strength of record, number four, Florida State, number three, they're right behind them. And strength of schedule, 
Florida State number 55, Alabama number five. If it was only about those metrics and those numbers, then the computer would still be calling this shit. We begged it to become about judgment too. And when you do that, when you put it in the hands of humans and you ask for their judgment and you ask for them to look at what their eyes are telling them, then sometimes the unfair thing happens. And I'm shocked that it happened because this committee, in Paul Feinbaum's words, always want to be the UN. They want to be liked. They want to do Mm -hmm. the fair thing, not the right thing. This is the right thing because as angry as those FSU people are, what that committee did was see TCU last year and go, we put them in because it was the right thing to do. And while they did beat Michigan, 65 to 7 was your that's the right thing to do national championship. And without a quarterback, we have had two games to see what LSU, what FSU looks like. And no thank you. I'm sorry. And yes, it is so not fair, but that's how it works. They were tasked with doing the impossible, which is making a very incredibly hard decision. And now you've got me here defending Alabama. And the thing that pisses me off, Gary, is that when people don't like this decision and you don't like what you have to say about it, it becomes some conspiracy theory here at the network. We're all pro SEC. We're all being told to carry the pail for, carry the water for the SEC. Total horseshit. I hate Alabama. I hate them. I feel like my team shouldn't have been protected. But you want to know something? This is poetic justice. Because do you know who stood in the way of CFP expansion happening this year? The ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. The same one that is now saying these things are unfathomable. Him. He didn't want expansion to happen this year because he said they needed more time. And his team would have benefited from expansion this year. This is what expansion is going to do. It's not watering down the game. It's not just a money grab. It's going to protect teams like Georgia and FSU from situations like this. But at the end of the day, the committee did the right thing. And I am so sorry, Florida State, if that pisses you off. I like J.J. Watt's tweet about that. Emergency six-team expansion. Washington, Michigan, get a bye. <laughs> Obviously, that's not going to happen. I think just to play devil's advocate, and I listen, I first of all, I thought you were directing that at me as if I didn't agree with you because I think, <laughs> that the, I think the committee got it right. I would take it a step further, and I don't know what team I'd left, I would have left out, but I would not have been opposed to seeing Georgia uh, in the college football playoff. I think a 29-game win streak, losing to Alabama by three in the SEC title game. Listen, it's not it's – not, beyond precedent we've seen that happen in the sec championship game and then those teams go into the into the cfp at any rate didn't happen not a big deal i think the ire that the acc is standing on and of course mike norvell is that you are in a power five and you schedule the way you schedule because those are the bumper lanes to this bowling alley right those are your safeguards those are hey if you check off all of these boxes as outlined by the committee and by the NCAA and and by the people who make sort of these decisions, that in and of itself should take care of business as long as your team takes care of business. So they did all of that. And actually, my co-anchor, Randy Scott, had an awesome tweet and we'll pop it up right now. Make sure you get it. It was just like sort of this, this inner dialogue. Okay, you want us to do this and then this and then this? Cool. Checked all the boxes. Oh, wait, you guys aren't going to believe this. Because we're still going to keep you up. And I think 
I think with the Florida State fan base and even the people who might not necessarily be Seminoles fans but understand that some team had to get shafted and that was the Seminoles, I think maybe that's their strongest case here. Um, but again, I'm on record as saying I think the committee got it right. It just sucks. Of course it, it, it sucks. Does. It sucks for everybody. It's not lost on me. And they're like, well, now you're saying you're delegitimizing all these other positions and saying that nobody else is more important than the quarterback. It's none of those things. And the thing that sucks too is Jordan Travis said, I wished yeah, that, that I was had gotten bad. hurt earlier yeah, in the season was- so that there would so this team could have shown you they were more than just me. The messed up thing is he is 100 percent right. If it had happened earlier in the season or if it had happened later in the season, if he gets hurt in the Florida game. Even Mm -hmm. if he gets hurt in this game, I think they still get in. It's the idea that we saw them for two weeks now. We saw them against Florida and we saw them against Louisville. And on top of that, the ACC is just not the conference it used to be. I'm sorry for the same reasons that we look at Texas and go, okay, but you didn't have a whole bunch of tough conference opponents, right? And you lost to the toughest one that you had. Same with Florida State, apart from not losing. Like the ACC ain't bringing anymore. I mean, beating Clemson doesn't hold any water anymore. Anymore. They yeah, almost lost to Boston College if we're playing the almost lost game, right? Like yeah. we're seeing a lot of Florida State fans go, well, I mean, Alabama almost lost to Auburn. Well, you almost lost to Boston College, right? So like, I, I get it. It's not fair or right. And it totally and completely sucks. But I stand on this, Gary. And if if someone can an- answer this for me, then maybe I'll backtrack and apologize because I've got no problem saying I'm wrong. You tell me after watching all of those conference champions, which one of those teams Florida State was playing better than? Tell me which one, and I'll shut up and say Florida State should have got in. Tell me which one of those winners was worse than Florida State. And I'll stand and I'll rest my case. But at the end of the day, you put your feelings aside. We got two really good, what at least on paper look to be really good matchups. And I get it, you guys. But predicting matchups is not an easy science. And I hate having to defend these dudes. I'm not out to do that. You know, I'm not out to say like, oh, they always get it right because they certainly don't. And again, I could stand on plenty of grievances myself. I think it's totally unfair that Georgia, who is one of the best teams in the country, had no room to fail, but they knew that going into that game yesterday and they came up short and we re-rank every single week, Gary, for this very reason. So yes, what you've done is important, but the reason that they look at this every week again, right, is because what you're currently doing matters too. And this current Florida State team is not one of the best four teams in the country. And so now we've got the best four remaining in the country, and we're hoping for a really good playoff. You think Georgia just absolutely smokes them in the Citrus Bowl? I'm really interested to see what Georgia does because Georgia was in this very same position before, you know, when they ended up losing in the SEC championship to Alabama. That's the game, of course, where Tua, you know, was starting, gets hurt. Jalen Hurts comes in off the bench and does a Tua to them. And they end up losing that game. So they don't end up going to CFP. And they ended up playing Texas in the Sugar Bowl. And they really didn't show up. Texas, you know, boat raced them. Texas started doing their whole Texas football is back. It was a few years later, but eventually they would prove to be back. Kirby swears that his team is going to show up for this game. I don't know. You know, you're going to have a chippy chip on my shoulder, Florida State. Who knows? They're not going to have their quarterback. They're a huge favorite in this game. 
but Brock Bowers, what's the incentive of playing in this game, right? I mean, it's a Georgia team who lost to, yes, Alabama, and that is heart-wrenching, right? I'm, I'm mm. crushed by that. But you're also talking about a team whose ghosts really caught up to them. The fact that they couldn't stop anybody on the ground caught up to them. Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkie were both limping every single play. It just wasn't good. So if you're Brock Bowers, why are you playing? I just don't think at the place where Georgia is anymore that they are getting up to that level to win an orange bowl. You know, like I'm not really sure that that's, so no. I will see, you know, we'll see. Who every cares? time, every time Jalen Milrow was in shotgun, I was like, Oh, this dude just got a head start to 10 yards. Every time. Like they could not, especially in the fourth, they could not stop that dude. They're fingerprint yeah. fingerprints on his shin, and that's it. It was pretty he, unstoppable. He, he, he came on, and I would say, I would say too. Um, sometimes on days like this, when the whole like sports world is angry and and shocked and yelling and they're mad, sometimes that's the best time to just slide in. A little slip up of your own. And we got that on the women's basketball side because while I was also watching, you know, the NFL and, and everything else, and we'll get to the NFL in a minute. Because how big is this? It being an NFL Sunday with playoff implications, this college football decision being so big that the NFL is taking a backseat on a Sunday to this news. And of course, we're filming on a Sunday, but yeah, that's how that's how monstrous and unprecedented what we saw today and what we're going to continue to see and all of the talk about it um, has been. And next year, we're going to look back on, oh my God, you remember last year? Thank God the playoff field has expanded to 12 teams. But anyway, yeah, I digress. Yeah, you 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 start talking about integrity of the game and everybody starts really piling on. I got to tell you, social media is a fun place to be today. Um, but again, if you're going to have a slip up like UConn women's basketball did, you want it to be on a day like today where people kind of gloss over your mess up. And I just have to mention this as we get to the NFL. You guys, for those of you 10, 15 years ago that said, I don't watch women's basketball because it's always UConn every year and there's no competition and there's no parody and it's not fun. UConn women's basketball just lost their third game of the season. They have never lost this many games this early in the season in program history. They lose today to undefeated Texas. And uh, this is a big deal. I mean, this is, yeah, it's a team that's dealing with like more injuries. Stop me if you've heard this before. This team's been banged up every single year. But Gino Ariema is scratching his head and and this is a major thing in, in college women's basketball right now that UConn is not exactly the UConn of old. The mystique is gone, Gary. Um, the injuries, and it, it just seems like they've been in school forever because I can't recall a healthy season. I can't recall really that much of a healthy stretch for like the Paige Beckers and the AZ Fuds of the world. I know AZ just went down with another injury and she's done. Of course, Paige had to bounce back a couple of different times. But we've kept up more with the injuries of their star players than the actual production of their star players. And that, of course, is where things start. You know, but even in previous years that they've been really banged up, they've still always managed to win. But I think that this speaks to losing the mental advantage. And there's always been those teams that have held such huge mental advantages. Just the idea that they come into your gym or they come into your stadium is enough to sort of give them a 10-point favorite. Just you know, like, it's oh, the page- Right, like, like, 
100%. The mystique, it feels yeah. like, is gone. And people don't clinch anymore because it's UConn. They don't grip anymore because it's UConn. And I think some of that mystique is gone. So it's great for women's basketball, maybe not so much for UConn, who used to be able to sort of feel that energy and feel that tension. Those days are over. It's the same way, Gary, that you used to feel as a member of Patriots Nation. Chill out. You've lost that loving feeling as we switch gears to the NFL. And you know what? Let's just get right to it. Let's get right to too long, didn't watch. You want me to go first? Let's go. Okay, here we go. Uh, Patriots lost their 10th game of the season, 6-0 to the Chargers, who are four and a half point favorites which just goes to show four and a half is plenty to get the job done, but it might not leave you satisfied. (laughs) Never. They're faking when they cheer. (laughs) It was a quiet crowd. (laughs) So my husband, who is a Falcons fan, such Mm -hmm. a Falcons fan, he owns a shirt that says, we almost always almost win. Looked at the TV today, and when the New York Jets put in Trevor Simeon at quarterback, he literally went, oh, we're bad, but we're not lose to Trevor Simeon bad. And they didn't. 38-year-old Joe Flacco got called off the couch to start for the Browns in a loss to the Rams. I've never had so much in common with Joe Flacco because I, too, could have been called off the couch to lose to the Rams. Oh, Canada, your firing they did praise. But two weeks later, it is more of the same. Can you tell I don't know the cadence to Oh, Canada? Which anyway, is the best Kenny, national anthem. It's got it's like, really beautiful. I put on a playlist. Yeah. Kenny Pickett gets hurt. In comes Mitchell Trubisky to lead the Steelers to 10 points and a two touchdown loss to the now three win Cardinals. Ouch. Which led me to say, what the Faulkner? New offensive coordinator, Eddie Faulkner, better get right before he gets that deportation, just like Canada did. Horn, 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 horn. The Cardinals lost in Pittsburgh, or excuse me, the Cardinals won in Pittsburgh for the first time since 1969. That's like 50 something years. It's crazy. I got one more L. There are two rematches so far I want to see from this NFL season. 49ers and Eagles after San Francisco beat Philly 42-19 at the link. And Dre Greenlaw and Dom DeSandro, which ended in a draw and two ejections. Because we need to have a rematch to determine the winner of that fight. What the (laughs) hell? was that yeah yeah i love that misplaced anger that's called projecting is what that's called i I know the guys had a security whatever but like chill Mm -hmm. out chill out bro top flight security bro i took my job seriously yeah bro you like you're supposed to be security for like everything that happens outside Correct. Playing field, not like security for the guys who are wearing pads in between the lines. We all need you. Take it easy. Take it easy. By the way, I told you Russ was not ready to cook. He needed to like air fry. Y'all gave him a three-ton smoker, and he burnt the fucking stadium down. Two picks, game killers, five-game win streak over at the hands of the Texans. Well, that was a good game. 
he did miss Jerry Judy in the end zone on that second and goal. Jerry Judy was wide open, but I don't know if that goes to show that like Russ just missed him or Russ subconsciously or overtly just sort of have, has programmed Jerry Judy out of his mind in crunch time. Because Jerry Judy was wide open yeah. in the end zone. And I think he tried to force it to Portland Sutton. That didn't happen. But shout out to CJ Stroud, man. D'Amico Ryans, man, has the, has them has the Texans playing ball. Yeah, man, playoff They're, team. That's a playoff team. After the Commanders got beat by 35 at home, the fire alarms went off while they were taking probably cold showers in the locker room, forcing them to evacuate. And the fans were like, uh, yo, where was the heads up when we were watching a five alarm dumpster fire on the field that we had to pay to attend? That was good. That They need some of that cold water to put that dumpster fire out. Not great, which kind of describes a little bit of, of, I feel like for a second straight week, a lot of the NFL that we were watching, a lot of NFLing happening. You know, that Falcons-Jets game was pretty horrible to watch. Uh, what was your favorite game of the weekend, Gary? I'm going to tell you this right now, L, and maybe it speaks to my frugality or my my necessity for next year to maybe reassess my cable plan. But because, of course, we live in New England, I'm sort of I'm sort of regional geolocked. Oh, I'm geolocked. So I watched the entirety of Patriots Chargers. Oh, boo. But because, you know, shout out YouTube TV, you can do the quad box and you can do the dual box. And it was Jets Falcons on the other TV. And I was like, man, I don't need to see that TV. L got L going to have that one covered for me. <laughs> and I watched Patriots Chargers and I wanted to like bird box my eyes out. Just like, <sighs> that's why they're bloodshot and like puffy because I was subjected to torture. Yeah, you wanted to yeah, stab your eyes. But I'm I'm, um, I'm I'm shocked that there were people there. I mean, it was rainy, it was cold, it was dreary, it was football weather. And that was something that, you know, the Foxborough faithful used to revel in. And now it was just like, why are you guys, who gave you these tickets for free? So it, maybe it was like back in the day when Robert Kraft first bought the team and it was like, you could walk up same day, yes. buy tickets for 20 bucks at anywhere you want. Straight no one up. Cared. Um, and speaking of which, I actually saw a stat and I wish we worked at a place where we could legitimize stats, but um, I don't know if it's true, but it said it was the first time or they were the first team, the Patriots, since 1938 to lose three straight games where their defense gave up 10 points or less in each game, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I got to thinking, because, you know, last week I pitched that the Patriots need to have a big stunt. They need to have Drew Bledsoe come yeah. join the team for a day. Unbeknownst to him. Just like, yo, yeah. Drew, come on up, man. We want to honor you by making yes. you play 60 minutes. Yeah, like gladiator style. Like you have no yeah. idea why you're sort of in this cage. And then once they open the cage, there's a line on your face. It's yeah. like, oh, I got to live. I got to survive. So, okay, that one didn't work. But here's one that I think helps with the integrity of the game since that's something a topic du jour if you will yes it is the defense for the patriots are good and that's bill belichick's lane so we've already discovered and i think confirmed not a good gm and right now super hot hot seat for head coach what if he preemptively gary as gm of the patriots fires himself as head coach, but rehires himself as defensive coordinator. Right? Right? 
You get to protect yourself from getting fired from a position that everyone wants you fired from, but you get to still do like the one thing you're still doing well, which is the defensive side of the ball. And then put somebody in there as an interim coach, fire them at season's end, and then reinsert yourself as the head coach for next season. Hello, see? It's chestnut checker sucker. So then this season doesn't go under his resume as a completed season. There we go. Adult swim, friends. Damn, Bill. Yo, Bill, we we just hacked the data mainframe for you. You're welcome, Bill. Okay. Get some of that. The same way Kelly Clarkson was like, hey, Taylor Swift, even though they bought all of your records, why don't you just remake them and then you can keep all your own royalties and they don't own any of your rights, hence sparking one of the greatest runs of re-releasing music that we've ever seen in life. The same way. You're welcome, Bill. You're welcome for that cheat code. And I didn't know it worked like that, to be honest, until like pretty recently. Speaking of Taylor, though, it is for real. I know some the viewers, the listeners... They don't like us when we go down to the Taylor Swift rabbit hole. But listen, Travis Kelsey got Taylor Swift pulling up to Green Bay, Wisconsin in, the freezing in December cold. to in watch the him play cold. football yeah. right now. Like this, I texted the group chat. I said, this is we've had indications that this is like the real deal. She's staying at the crib. That's he love. Going, he going down to Brazil. Yeah. But he's taking her quite literally out of the elements. Yeah. Um, and putting her into the element. Yeah. Bear Grylls territory. Good for, yeah, that's real love. That's real. And you know what? I find myself- the love is warm. Yeah. I find myself during the games wanting them to show Taylor Swift when like the Chiefs do bad, not because I'm petty. I mean, I am, but not for that reason, but because she seems like such a nice person that I wonder if she forgets and like cheers because a Packers player got a turnover, right? Like, oh, yay for the, oh no, oops. Like I, I could imagine that she- is just so happy for everyone that maybe she forgets and is like, oh, yay, he got to go. That's not good for our team. Uh, but they never show her when the Chiefs <laughs> don't do anything well, surprisingly. Especially especially, especially in, in Green Bay when you're in enemy territory and she plays in front of so many sold-out stadiums yeah. that I bet you she starts hearing the applause and she's like, thanks, I know, I, I, I know. thank you, <laughs> thank you. Oh, oh, you're applauding what's going on on the field. Honest mistake. Honest mistake. Matter of fact, this venue a little bit smaller than what I'm used to. I just kind of got caught up in the moment. <laughs> she doesn't seem vain to me enough to be like, it's all for me. Um, I just hilarious. think I just think she seems like a really nice person who sort of roots for everyone to win. And so it might be I hard so to sometimes to remember that like when the other team is winning, it is affecting and impacting your team. And I will way. say, um, because before we and everybody knows we're taping this on Sunday night, so I was watching Sunday night football prior to hopping on. And uh, Travis Kelsey had like three catches consecutively and they didn't cut to her one time. So I, yeah. there, there must be directive from I up top so. that was like, chill. let's hey, let's just chill out. Yeah, let's just chill out. They did cut down to Simone Biles, though, on the sideline. Nice. She was in her. She was outside in the yeah. jacket because her boo thinks is a defensive back for the Packers. So they showed her. Yeah, no she Taylor always stands Swift. on the sideline. Yeah, no yep. sweet action for her. She's down there. She's yeah. down there in the elements. She in the it. trenches, 10 toes down, standing 100%. on business and frozen grass. Yep, out there just battling all the elements. Speaking of battles, we had maybe the unlikeliest battle of the early NBA season, and I'm talking about LeBron James versus Ime Udoka. 
Okay, so this whole thing is so confusing to me. You know, honestly, most NBA beef is really confusing to me because mm-hmm. the genesis of it always is like, where, why do y'all not like each other? And then I have to go mm-hmm. on like a super deep dive. It almost never makes a ton of sense. But in this case, there's generally a woman involved. Well, yes, and when it comes to Ime Udoka, sometimes <laughs> in a positive way. Uh, I don't think that's what was happening here, right? LeBron James gets a tech and then Ime Udoka and him get into a bit of a spat. And there's video um, surrounding this whole entire thing. Here's the video. Udoka's like, stop crying like man. And LeBron's like, you know, we grown men. Like, you can't be saying, you know, word, that ain't cool. And Yudoka's like, soft ass boy, stop and act like you're going to do something. Then, you know, nothing actually happened. And then Yudoka ends up getting ejected from the game. What do we think about this beef? The woman behind Ime Yudoka, and you can tell the moment at which Yudoka crossed the line because she clutched the non-existent pearls around her neck. And that's exactly at the same time the ref was like, boom! Yudoka after the game was like, no, we were just having a conversation and the ref didn't like what what we had to say. It sounds like the ref didn't like what Ime Yudoka had to say because he was the one doing all the talking. Yudoka, I don't know if he strikes me as, and I can't I can't label him as such, but he strikes me as a guy who probably was a bit of a bully in his playing day, which in the NBA was only for a cup of tea. But SportsCenter Instagram did have a couple of stills when it was a young LeBron because Yudoka's 47. LeBron's going to be 39 in a couple of weeks. So he's about 10 years his elder. Um, LeBron backing him down when Udoka was with the Blazers and the Spurs. So maybe there's something there, but LeBron been around so long and he's so up here that he don't remember Udoka. No. He don't remember Ime Udoka playing no. defense on him. No, you know I what I'm saying? It. In 2006 and 2007. But I will say this. I don't think of the NBA coaches, Ime Udoka is probably in the top half of coaches I probably wouldn't want it with. But LeBron James, and not just because of his, not because of, the physicalness of LeBron James, but just of who LeBron James is, I wouldn't want to make enemies out of him, man, especially if you make your living in the association in any in any aspect, whether it be player, coach, or otherwise. Okay, I like this. I like this idea of like dudes that you would not want to go toe-to-toe with. Like, let's go with the coaches. Because I do feel like when I saw this story, I was like, I could see E-May scrapping with somebody. Like, he seems like an NBA coach. You know, certainly no one's like trying to get into a fight with Pop, right? Like that feels like elder abuse. But that's scrapping. Like I feel like you know, Teron Lou's definitely a guy that will fight. Um, but when we have like a, a let's do like a starting five, your top like five coaches that you don't wanna with. I don't want it with Coach Debo. I don't want it with Darvin Ham. Only because he reminds me of Debo. Yeah. In it, in all of his media sound, he seems like and sounds like the nicest guy, but it's the nice ones. It's the nice ones that are the killers. Yeah, like a big like a big teddy bear. I, I can I see that. To, I can see Darvin Ham giving it to you. I can see that. I'm gonna stay in basketball, but go to the college ranks. Rest in peace, Bobby Knight. I mean, the man showed you why. Oh, you yeah, that's true. I mean, he will literally attack you. So I would say he he, he would put his hands on you. <laughs> he was not was not scared of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to take things to the I'm going to take things to the uh, to the NFL. And of yeah. course, there's there's obvious ones that you can think of, but I'm going to give you one that I don't think would come to mind when you first think of coaches you wouldn't want it with Nick Sirianni. I Mrs. just, he's, he, 
he strikes me he strikes me as a guy who knows a guy. He doesn't fight fair. And I just feel like Nick Sirianni, Philly dude, he's just gonna find a way to like introduce introduce a weapon. <laughs> and I just I just don't I just don't trust he's him. He's gonna fashion a shank out of some soap I just, and a I just don't I just don't trust him. So okay. Nick Sirianni, I don't, I don't want it with Nick Sirianni. Okay, I can actually understand because the reason that this person lands on my list of the coaches that I want nothing to do with is because of his shifty eyes, of which I don't trust. Adam Gase, I have stood on this. Oh, something is yes. off about him. I don't. I, there's something with the eyes, and I yeah. would not mess with him. If I feel like it could potentially be a, it, you know, puts the lotion in the basket sitch, and just no thanks to me. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, I, I do recall you being on record as uh, non-trustworthy of one Adam Gase. Yeah, I am going to give you one, and this one is just this one shouldn't should come to a surprise um, of nobody at all. But D'Amico yeah. Ryan's uh, this guy could still this guy could still get you, get you ten tackles on Sunday. Yeah. Okay, still built, still strong looking, yeah. muscles just protruding out of those Nike dry fit shirts. Like he knows what he's doing. Self-explanatory, yeah. D'Amico Ryan, strong base. Okay. I don't know. I don't know at what point I can attack him. You know. Yeah. So is that when you uh, have you thought about that? Like when you just watch him on the sidelines, you or have you thought about you potentially the best point of attack? Yeah, from behind, just try to catch him slipping. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, chill out. <laughs> Who's your third L? I'm going to go with a coach also in the NFL that I think has the most intense eyes, which is why uh, I'm putting Mike Tomlin on there. Like Mike Tomlin looks like oh. he, he would break a neck and he's such a nice person. Like everybody that I know that like knows Mike is they're like, he's like the nicest guy, but he has an incredibly intense look in his eye on the sideline. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, bordering on terrifying. I'm like, has he, has, has he blinked this half? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's hard to see that through the Cartier stunners, but I, I see you. This one's obvious, Dan Campbell. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we listened to Dan Campbell say he, he wants to bite your Achilles. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a dude fighting dirty. Listen. All right, dude, that guy's introducing teeth into the fight. Anybody that's anybody that's biting strangers in a yeah. fight, you got tetanus. Yeah. All right. Rabies out there. I wouldn't trust that dude. Yeah, if you desire the taste of a patella, then you yeah. have some real issues. Yeah. And I also put Dan Campbell on my list of coaches that yeah. I don't want to mess with. And I'll raise you one additional and final NFL coach on here. And we mentioned him earlier. And um, the man reads the art of war every single year before the season starts, Bill Belichick. Just because he's crafty, dude. That guy's smart. And he is kind of obsessed with winning and beating mm -hmm. the other team. And so I think that like... Yeah, I feel like he would be a guy I would not want to have on my bad side because he would do everything in his power to destroy me. More, I mean, if this is a one-on-one -on -one fight, I feel like he's probably the easiest win that I could probably record because he's more of a – he's less infantry, more general. You know, the blood's never going to be on his hands. Sure. He's more, of a, he's more of a strategy guy. Sure. And if you get this dude in an alley – That wasn't the caveat. We didn't cage it as saying hand-to-hand -hand combat. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put Adam said, on the list. It's you, coaches you don't want to F with. You said fight. No. I said with. We'll check I the tape. I edited Check the tape. Your top five coaches 
that you don't want to with. What check the From the replay, I said with. I'll give you my fifth. I, I, I tell listen, you what, what, whoever's name was on the show gets to decide who was right. Well, it depends. <laughs> on, it depends on if you're reading past. If you're just reading past the initial introduction on Spotify, because it says Al Duncan <laughs> and Gary Streisky. So, I mean, really, it depends. It depends how far you read the description. Um, I'm Brian Dable, just a sturdy bass. That guy's just got a sturdy, sturdy bass. You're, it, it's going to be hard to knock him off his center point. Cause he's also low to the ground. Low man always wins. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he seems dense. Yeah. He just seems like you punch him and your fist gets swallowed up like T 1000. Just. And then you just have to fight to get it back. So Brian Dable, the stocky fridge looking guy. um, I wouldn't want it with him. Yeah. It's he's like, if a bulldog took vibranium, like he's like, like yes, that's, a little bigger that's and yeah. Right. Like he's, yeah. um, I could see that he's incredibly intense too. And that vein is always sticking out of his neck. True. So True. that might be his superpower. So the thing is, is that what's really interesting is, and actually leads me to a great story time is that I think at the Genesis, the root of this argument between Ime and LeBron is the use of the word Oh, he may okay. saying quit your chin and LeBron being like, don't call me a bitch. And he like, that's not what I said. I said, you're chin. And I actually am really glad that this sparked this conversation because it reminds me of finding myself in a very similar situation a few years ago at what was at the time Phillips Arena, now State Farm Arena in Atlanta. It is story time. At the time, I was the sideline reporter for the Atlanta Hawks, but I was off that night, and um, I can't remember which team Dwight Howard was playing for at the time, but Atlanta's playing the whatever team he was playing for at the time. And I'm off, and I'm sitting, because, you know, when I'm not working at the arena, I was friends with all the security guards and stuff, and I would just, I had my credential, I'd sort of walk around and then just sit, you know, wherever there, someone wasn't sitting, I'd sit there until someone came to their seat, and then I would bounce around, like, that's how I watched the game. So I'm sitting there, courtside, couple of rows back, I'm watching this game, and Dwight Howard is just, the whole game, he's just complaining and complaining, and I had just had it. And finally, I just yell out, oh, God, quit your bitching, right? And all of a sudden, like, these people start, like, looking, like, behind, like, behind them, like, looking at me. You know, they keep looking over their shoulder at me, and I was like, what? And so, I'm just, like, getting annoyed. So, finally, this one guy goes, you do know, like, who you're sitting behind, right? And I go, what? And he was like, he was like, that's Dwight Howard's mom. And you just called her son a bitch. And I said, no, I did not call her son a bitch. And I'm trying to say it loud enough for her to hear me. I'm like, I said he was like, quit your bitching because he's complaining. I was like, and they are very different things. And and the, the guy's like, but still, like, you can't really be saying stuff like that about, you know, someone's son. And I remember at the time being so confused because I'm like, if you choose to come to an arena on the opposing team's arena, even if Dwight is like from Atlanta and whatever, if you come to the opposing team's arena and you sit in the crowd and your son is Dwight Howard, you've got to expect that you're going to hear some things 
You're going to mm-hmm. hear some name calling some whatever. And I listen, I agree. Sometimes people go completely and totally out of the line. I did not at the time think me saying, oh, quit chin was going out of the line, nor did I think there was a correlation between saying that to someone and calling them a bitch. But now I see that LeBron took it in the same sort of pearl clutching way. And I wonder 13 years removed from this moment happening if I was in the wrong. Should I have apologized to Dwight Howard's mom at the time and said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were sitting here, obviously, but I just called your son. No, like it feels, no, I stand on the fact that I was right, Gary. Yeah, I think there's an important distinction. I think you should have looked at his mom and be like, what you talking about? (laughs) Yo, I I I think it's hilarious that you were like, an employee, but you just took that hat off completely and were like, just letting it pop off. Well, have you ever known me to be professional? Gary? Yeah, no, hey, you know what? Hey, touche. I'm nothing <laughs> of not consistent. You know, it's very different when you work for the team, right? Like you're, I worked for the team. I was their sideline reporter, but I was also like a personality in Atlanta. And, you know, like that was a, I got paid like a hundred dollars a game to do the Atlanta Hawks gig. Like that wasn't at all something that I felt sort of like there's some journalistic principles or codes. I mean, I worked for the team. I was there during the 13 win season where at every half I'd have to go, you're only down 15. Like what's the bright spot from this first half? I mean, you know, those kinds of things are, are tough. So I feel like I earned the right to release some of that and say, I'll quit your shit. And that's literally was the end of it. You know, I didn't confront him. It was nothing like that. But I got a little dressed down by Dwight Howard's people for disrespecting Dwight Howard in front of his mom. So at the end of the day, that's on you because as an employee, you should know where the friends and family section is. (laughs) That's on you. (laughs) There wasn't like a friends and family section, you know, it's a it's a basketball game. They kind of just sit wherever like they can get the best tickets. And he got his mom really good seats. I can tell you the friend and family section is typically not two rows up, right? Like they're not usually just giving away the best seats in the building unless your friends and family are famous. So she had really good seats. So maybe I just, you know, thought I would get away with it, but I did not. And so alas, Dwight Dwight Howard's mom does not mess with me. And um, and that's okay. I'm sorry for that. All these years later, Dwight Howard's mom. My question is, before we get out of here, do you think you can beat her up in a fight? Okay. (laughs) 